As you know, um, we have been in a series called Jesus um, and the One, and we've been going through interactions that Jesus has had um, with individuals um, to learn about his character, um, who he is, and how he demonstrates the kingdom of God through these um, interactions. And this story that Tom has just read to us, uh, this is actually the longest um, encounter Jesus has with any one person in the Gospels. Now at this point, Jesus has been in Judea. So he's been in Jerusalem, a place of um, power and authority. And he's been, perf- he's been busy performing um, miracles. He's been speaking truth to power. And at this point in John's um, gospel, he has turned water into wine, um, turned over the tables in the temple, and people are being baptized um, all over the shop. And now the Pharisees um, are beginning to get a little bit twitchy. Uh, they're kind of worried at who this Jesus guy is. Um, so Jesus actually decides to leave and to go to Galilee. He needed a break. He needed to get out of there um, and take a bit of a break. So he makes his way to Galilee, where he meets this woman. Um, at a well, a Samaritan woman. Now, this interaction we see um, is full of mercy. And that's really what I want to talk about um, today, tonight. I believe God is doing something um, in our church around mercy, and I believe that he wants to pour his mercy out um, here and out into our city. Um, And so what is mercy then? We hear about this word all the time. We hear mercy, but what does it actually mean? You know, what is is the definition of mercy? And so I looked in the dictionary and there are tons of different um, meanings, but this one particularly stood out for me. Our mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm, but doesn't. And I believe this is the story about this mercy, his mercy. And so what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to pull out uh, four main insights um, that I can see of Jesus' mercy through this story. Okay? You with me? Good. So firstly, his mercy seeks us out. We see this so clearly in this story. He seeks her out. When she being on the margins and a social outcast, he breaks down the social barriers to seek her out. And so how do we know then that she is an outcast? How do we know um, that she is on the margins? There are a few reasons that I can um, go into here. Firstly, she's a Samaritan. Um, He was on his way to Galilee. But we read verse 4. It says, he had to go through Samaria. He had to go through Samaria. Now, Samaritans were seen as um, unclean. They were the land um, of the half-breeds of the Jews. There had been a division between them for over 600 years before Jesus even came on the scene. They were arch enemies. Um, But Jesus doesn't care. He doesn't care one bit. He breaks down the barriers. He obeys the Holy Spirit, and he goes right in there anyway. And if you see on this map, this is... um, The red dots are basically what um, Jews would do if they were going to Galilee. They would cross over the Jordan River and they would make their way around the outside, deliberately the outside of Samaria. But Jesus goes directly through, right through um, into Samaria. Jesus comes into unclean territory to make her clean. And secondly, she comes, this woman, in the middle of the day 
and alone. She's coming to this well in the middle of the day and alone. We read this in verse 6. It says, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. And then verse 7, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Now, Jews calculated um, hours of the day according to 12 hours of daylight, so from sunrise to sunset. So the sixth hour um, was noon, and this is incredibly hot. I mean, we've had a good spell, haven't we, of heat, but this is like hot. Middle of the day, boiling, boiling hot, and probably the worst time of day to come. And she knows that. She knows that coming in the middle of the day, she's going to avoid people because no one else is going to come at that time. She's going to avoid anyone that comes with her. So we can learn from this that she is a social outcast and going to the well was also a real social thing. So many women would go to the well and they would um, hang out, they would have a chat. It's where they... um, where they, yeah, had their communion with each other, I guess. And she comes completely alone. It says, a Samaritan woman comes. She's coming completely alone. So even before Jesus has spoken to her, we learn that she's a social outcast. She's marginalized. She is isolated. And then thirdly, she's a woman. She's a woman. Verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, but you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Now, interacting with a woman was not done, especially in public, any woman, especially in public, um, but especially to a Samaritan woman, completely unheard of. He seeks her out. Jesus reaches out to her first. He speaks first, and he arrives first. Jesus breaks the social boundaries and the um, barriers to seek her out, to come and get her. And that's what he does for us. That's what he does for us. It's his quest for us. The Bible is a story of his quest for us, not ours for him, but his quest um, for us, bringing us to himself. And we see throughout the Bible um, how Jesus continues to break down boundaries and barriers to pursue us, to seek us out. And we've been learning that, you know, the last couple of weeks. Um, And Will spoke um, about Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Um, Jesus invites him into a relationship. He goes to his house for dinner. You know, it's so unheard of. It's completely breaking down any um, social etiquette, any social boundary. And then Johnny spoke last week about Bartimaeus, you know, a blind beggar um, on the fringes that he brings into the center and he heals him, makes him able to see. Jesus breaks down social barriers and relentlessly pours out his mercy. No one is too far gone. No one is too far gone. It's relentless. And his mercy never, ever stops. It never runs dry. Never runs dry. So my first insight is that his mercy seeks us out. And then secondly, his mercy accepts us exactly where we are. Jesus wants to meet us on our daily search for water, on our daily search for water. We read this in verse uh, 14 to 15. It says, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks this water I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said, sir, 
give me this water so that I don't have to get thirsty and I have to, don't have to keep coming to, this, uh, to draw water. The Samaritan woman was coming to meet her physical needs. She needed water to quench her thirst. I think is fair enough. Coming at noon, she's going to be really thirsty. She wants a drink. He, she likes this offer that Jesus is giving. This means that she doesn't have to come back to draw water anymore. Um, it must be a really hard job as well, walking this water back um, to where she is living. However, Jesus is talking about something way beyond physical needs. He's talking about water that will satisfy her thirst, her thirst of her soul. We can overlook um, our spiritual needs as we eagerly try to satisfy our physical needs, our physical desires. We become blind to our spiritual needs. We are sometimes unaware of how thirsty our souls actually are. So then, Jesus leads her to think um, deeper, to begin to show her and recognize her spiritual needs, the state of her soul. In verse 16, it says, go call your husband and come back. So he continues, go call your husband and come back. Now, this is the place of her greatest poverty and guilt. This is the greatest place of poverty and guilt. Sometimes as we look at the state of our actions, it leads us to recognize how thirsty our souls actually are. He is offering water for her thirsty soul. He helps her see this, that her greatest need is for, her, for, for his presence and complete acceptance. Jesus touches her inner wounds, her brokenness, and pours his mercy directly in it. Jesus invites us to revisit our past, not to analyze it, not to condemn or remain trapped, but to liberate and free us. It starts with us. She recognizes her thirst. It's when we humbly recognize our brokenness and we accept ourselves for exactly who we are without hiding, without hiding, and present it to Jesus. So I read this great quote um, this week from Jean Vanier. I think it's on. It says, in order to receive of the living waters that flow from Jesus, we must first recognize all that is chaotic and dead in us. We can only come to Jesus to drink if we are thirsty. When we are full of ourselves, our power, our certitudes, we think we can do it on our own and fend for ourselves. We do not recognize our need for new life. It is only when we present to Jesus our emptiness, our helplessness and broken hearts that, we can that he can fill us with, strength, with the strength of his spirit and the touch of his love. You know, and this is my, this is my story. I, I grew up in a Christian home. Um, I had a, a great upbringing, um, great parents. I was taken to church at a young age, and I did all that, you know, sort of decent friends. Um, and, uh, and really, you know, life was good. I sort of plodded along. Um, and I didn't really own my faith um, at this time. And I didn't really honestly know how blind I was to how thirsty um, I really was, how spiritually thirsty I was. Um, and then I went to university. So I went to university and I realized um, that having my safety and all my comfort just taken away from me, um, that I realized that I was incredibly 
thirsty. I, I was so aware of how fragile and insecure I was. Um, and I began then to look for um, quenching this thirst in all the wrong places. Um, you know, I would um, I'd so desperately want affirmation from guys. You know, I'd want to, I'd want to get their affirmation for to tell me who I was. You know, friendships, trying to look for this like perfect friendship. I self-image. I'd spend hours in the gym. You know, wanting to again sort of quench this thirst. Um, and then you know, going out. You know, getting you know, alcohol. All of it. You know, really trying to, um, yeah, satisfy that what was just desperately painful um, deep down. And, um, and it was temporary, completely temporary. But you know what? He came to get me. He came to get me in, the, in that place. He began to open up my eyes to see. I began to, um, my desire to want to know who this um, person was. I began to, I was so interested in the Bible. I wanted to read the Bible. I wanted to um, read books that people had um, given to me. Um, and my eyes were beginning to open. I asked loads and loads of questions about well, who is this? What is this about? Um, until I got to the point where um, I knew, I knew in my head at this point that his water was the only thing I needed. It was the only thing I needed. And I gave it all in Australia, in a random conference in Australia, I gave it all. I gave the good, the good stuff about me, the bad and the ugly. I gave it all to him and I said, quench this thirst, quench this thirst that is deep within me. And what I received was complete acceptance, a love that would never, ever disappear. A complete, um, a desire to accept me for exactly who I was. I didn't have to become perfect. I just had to give everything that I was and um, receive his life. And we all have wells, don't we? We all have a well, many wells, a place that we go to temporarily fix and to fill us. And this is an invitation to stop and to be filled with living water, a water that will always satisfy. It is not always easy, but it will satisfy. And this happens over and over and over and over and over again. I am no complete project. Johnny knows I am not a complete project at all. I need his mercy. Ever. I need his mercy right here, <laughs> sitting here. You know, I need his mercy over and over and over again. And it never stops. It never, ever stops. That's the truth. And uh, I was, it, this morning I was in worship this, and, um, and I was just crying because I, um, I was just about to come here and, you know, I was thinking that it's, it's, it's only his mercy that I'm sat here in this room, not even here, I'm sat in this room. It's only his mercy that I'm here, that he has given me a, a life and a future. You know, he has fulfilled so much longing in my soul that I could, you know, things that I would never have thought that he could do through me, you know, that is his mercy and it's on offer, it's on offer. Okay. So thirdly, his mercy is marriage. This story all happens in the context of a well. It all happens in the context of a well. And I was so interested to read this week um, that stopping by the well, but stopping by a well in biblical times, it automatically meant that you were thinking about marriage, that you were looking for marriage. Abraham sent Isaac to meet his wife there. Jacob met Rachel at the well. Moses met Zipporah. And I think this is completely symbolic. 
This is a meeting of love with Jesus in this woman. This is a meeting of love. And we read in verse 18, it says that she has five husbands. Now, I think we often jump, don't we, to conclusions with this, that she was um, a prostitute, a terrible person, that we come up with so many judgments about this, this woman. You know, however, in these times, you know, men were able to, to leave their wives for anything, for absolutely anything. You could burn the toast, and sorry, I'm leaving you. You know, it was so easy for a man to leave their um, bride and impossible for a woman to leave um, their husband. Even in abusive situations, it's really difficult to leave. Um, and so this woman had zero rights. And these men could have completely abandoned her. And you know also that... Um, People died really quickly, really early um, in these times as well. So they could have just died. You know, these five husbands could have just died. And what I think we learn here is Jesus sees, you know, he sees the heartbreak, the abuse. He sees the abandonment. He sees the rejection, the hurt, and the pain. And he offers her something better. A divine bridegroom. A divine bridegroom bridegroom. He is offering her a marriage in this moment that will never let her down. A marriage that will never let her down. A covenant that he will not break. A covenant that he will not break. And that is what he's offering us. He is offering us a marriage. It says in Isaiah 62, 5, as, I, as a young man marries a young woman, so will your builder marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. Your builder, God, wants to marry you. Not just boss you around, give you a set of rules, um, give you the law, dominate you or control you, but he wants to marry you. And when you think of marriage, if you think of a good marriage or what it was intended for, we think of a relationship of greatest intimacy, don't we? Someone you share your life with, expose your life to, and that is what Jesus is offering. He's offering us a marriage where we can expose our life, and it is safe. He draws us into a divine life. He wants to share his life with us, not just to cleanse us from our sins, which he does, but to have an ongoing relationship with us. That is not, this is not a religion, but it is a relationship. A relationship that will never leave us, nor forsake us. Never leave you or forsake you. I think some of you need to speak that over yourself every day. You are not going to leave me and you are not going to forsake me. You know, this is powerful truth and it is um, what he says about us. All we need to do is accept the invitation. Accept the invitation of this mercy and this grace and this love that is given freely to us. And then fourthly, his mercy sends us out. We see um, her conversion moment. You know, she puts down the water jug. She has revealed her pain, brokenness, sin, addiction, um, the wounds before Jesus. She's admitted it all and receives this living water and receives this living water. She then goes to tell others what she's experienced. Straight away, verse 28. Then, leaving her water jug, the woman went back to the town and told her people, come. See a man who told me everything that I ever did. She hadn't suddenly become a theologian or a sorted Christian, whatever that even means. She didn't run to um, Bible school, um, but she went to tell 
others what she had experienced. She just went straight to tell what, what she'd experienced this mercy to be. She couldn't help it. It wasn't a chore. Jesus didn't even tell her to go. She just went. She is an unlikely evangelist. Jesus' kingdom is upside down. It's completely upside down. We need to let our, get our eyes open to the kingdom that is all around us that we can't see because it's upside down. She has new courage to go to the places and the people that spat on her, that spat on her, that abused her, that isolated her, that cast her aside. She has the supernatural courage to go back to those people because the mercy she's received is greater. And our personal story is so important of where we have experienced this mercy. And we can sometimes think that we are not worthy um, of telling others that we're crippled by our own lack or our habitual sin patterns or unworthiness or struggles. Um, but what we see here is a woman who has said yes. She's a woman that said yes to this living water whose eyes were opened to the spiritual thirst in her soul and is now flowing out, as Jesus said, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. We as a church... We need to be filled with this living water, his divine mercy. And as we lay our jugs down, as we lay our jugs down and let him in by getting real and honest with our pain and our brokenness, our sin, and let this everlasting water um, overflow. And I believe this is happening. I believe that he is preparing um, the soil here. Um, I've been doing a bit of gardening recently, um, which is quite hilarious. But as I'm doing it, I'm just, you know, it's so, cla- you know, so, so classic, isn't it? The sort of, you know, the gardening imagery. But it's so true, you know, as we sort of bash down and get the weeds out and as we sort of cultivate the soil, that's what he's doing. He's doing that in our church, that he's um, preparing us, that he's getting us ready to pour out his um, mercy and his life and his um, water into us. He wants to extend um, his mercy to us, not to shame us. He doesn't want to um, know your stuff to make you feel worse. He wants, to, um, he wants to be in it with us and show you and tell you that he completely accepts you. And then we have an opportunity to extend the kingdom by extending mercy to a city, a nation, a world that so desperately needs it. There is so much spiritual thirst And it starts here with an invitation to receive it for ourselves. And how, you know, how do we go out? How do we go out and share this mercy um, with others? I think Jesus makes this really clear. I think Jesus makes this really clear. Jesus comes to the well and he comes thirsty. He comes to the well thirsty. Verse six, Jesus was tired. He's tired, he's physically tired. He meets this Samaritan woman at his point of physical need. He comes as an equal. It kind of blows my mind, to be honest. He comes as an equal. He comes asking for water, and he meets her where she is at. He meets her exactly where she's at. And that's what we're to do. We're to come alongside, you know, we're to come alongside. No hierarchy, no judgment, but we come alongside equally broken, equally broken, and tell other broken people that there is more, that there is more life to be had. And that's what I want to do. Anyway.
<laughs> and in conclusion, you know, his mercy is seeks us out. It accepts us for who we are. It's a marriage. He sends us out. And this mercy is new every morning. Holy Spirit, we love you. You're so kind. Thank you, Lord. I think we should stand and I think we should ask him to fill it I think what my I think my tears are for this city that is so so thirsty so desperate for mercy and we have the opportunity to be filled with this water right now to extend mercy as equals so let's ask him to come. Holy Spirit, come and fill us. Thank you that you're here. We love you, we adore you. Would you come and just have your way, Lord? Where there are places in us all that are dry, would you pour your water of life into them for the sake of your world, Lord?